Belize is a small country located in Central America on the Caribbean Sea. When many people hear about Belize, they think of five-star hotels and the vacation site on the tropical ocean coast. This is not the Belize we visit. We are Jim and Marge Durden, and our first trip to Belize was in 2009, where we joined a team of Christian teachers from across the United States in a teachers' conference for Belizean teachers and administrators from the rural rainforest villages. The organization we went with is Pathlight International, whose vision is to give hope through the integration of faith in Christ and educational opportunities. We found the Belizean teachers to be both dedicated and gifted, teaching in conditions that are far less than ideal, classrooms that need to be swept and cleaned from bat guana every morning before instruction can begin, several classes meeting in the same room with little or no partition separating them, children coming to school with a meager breakfast and no chance of a lunch, teaching supplies almost non-existent. After our first trip, a great desire to go back to Belize began to grow in our hearts. In March of 2011, Bridgeway Church sent a team of 14 members to a small village called St. Margaret. About half of the team put in ceilings, built partitions between classrooms, painted walls, and installed ceiling fans and chalkboards. The other half of the team went into classrooms and presented lessons on literature and composition writing. We also brought much needed and hard to get teaching supplies. But the best part of this trip, as with all mission trips, is the relationships that are formed. Playing basketball with the children on the playground during recess, encouraging teachers in their efforts to provide a better education for their children, these are the most meaningful and lasting memories. Members of this team are now supporting several students financially and praying for them each day. We made our fourth trip to Belize this past August. What a joy it was for us to reconnect with these Belizean teachers and to hear their stories. Oscar, the teacher with the Batguana each morning, was like a different person. With tears in his eyes, he again thanked the team from Bridgeway for all that we had done. The other teachers and the principal shared stories about how their lives and the lives of their students had been changed because of this team's efforts. Let me close with this quote from St. Augustine. What does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has the ears to hear the sighs and sorrows of men. That is what love looks like. Good morning, Bridgeway family. My name is Lacey Spear, and I have the privilege this morning of sharing with you about our trip to Managua, Nicaragua. Bridgeway sent 12 team members down to Managua, and we partnered with an organization called Forward Edge International. What Forward Edge International does in Managua is they run a home for girls called La Via Esperanza. The VL is home to 23 girls currently. These girls have been rescued out of a place called La Chureca. What La Chureca means is the dump. These girls have grown up in a, one of the largest inhabited landfills in the world. In La Chureca, these girls have come from a life of unbelievable hardship. Many of them have been abused and abandoned and some of them have been sex trafficked, literally sold by their families to the truck drivers for the best trash. The Via is run by a couple named Gloria and Wilbur. They are Nicaraguan and they are just the loveliest people you'll ever meet. They have truly become a mom and a dad to these 23 girls. The girls range in ages from eight to 18. Gloria has worked for many years with Forward Edge and in La Chureca and has built personal relationships with the people there. And while we were there on July 1st, we were able to celebrate the third anniversary of the Via being open. I want to share with you a little bit about Nicaragua and about La Chureca as a background before I talk more about the girls. Nicaragua is one, the second poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, second only to Haiti. They are still recovering from a really dark history of 
civil war and earthquakes and foreign interference and civil unrest, and it's a very chaotic country. Pretty forgotten at this point. Most of this happened 20 years ago. They haven't forgotten because that's their everyday life. La Chureca is a home to over 2,000 people. Many of them are born in the dump. They live in the dump and they die in the dump, and some have never left the landfill. They don't know any other life. We were told while we were there that the landfill was actually better than it was last year, which is pretty hard to believe. There is a church that's three blocks from the dump called El Faro. We were able to go and work with the kids there. Most two are, of them are from the dump. And see that the people living in the slums around the dump are ministering to the people in the dump, which is pretty amazing. While we were in La Chureca, we were there for only half of a day. But we were able to meet some of our most precious brothers and sisters in the Lord while we were there. Some of the stories are really harsh, and I can't even share them because... I want to preserve the dignity of the people living there. But I will share one story about a family. And they have two daughters. And this family is, they're believers, and they're brothers and sisters. Through Alfaro Church, they were given a small loan to start a business, and they were able to buy three pegs. They were very excited about this because this year, after being very careful stewards of this, they now have 35 and are able to provide for their family without having to pick through the trash. Their daughters are going to school, and they have great hopes that someday they'll be able to live outside of a landfill and that their daughters will be able to grow up to be educated people who can have a job and take care of themselves. The father of the family has been blinded in one eye. In the dump, they burn the garbage, and it's a very toxic place, and it's very unhealthy. And because of this, one of the toxic ashes had fallen into his eye and blinded him. So now he goes through life with one eye. We were able to pray over them and just be there to love on them. And we really had some questions about, God, why would you let your kids live in a landfill? We don't understand. We know you love them. And why do they have to live here? God's answer to me personally was, it's not for you to know. You're just here to love on them today. El Faro Church is an amazing place, and we were able to worship there with them. If you want a real, truly different worship experience, I encourage you to go to another country. It would be amazing. You won't even believe it. The children that attend the daycare there are from the dump. They're absolutely precious. They're adorable, of course, and very, very sweet. We were able to take them to a movie one day, and most of them had never been outside of that neighborhood surrounding the dump, and they were more excited about getting in a bus than they were about seeing a movie at that point. It was very exciting for them. But it was really hard when we took them back to know that, you know, they come in their little white shirts and blue uniforms with their shoes, but when you go into La Chureca, you know that they take those clothes off because that's the only good outfit they have, and they spend the rest of their day running very short through the dump half naked the only life they know. At the Via, the girls have been taken from La Tureca to a place of unimaginable beauty and peace. Each of the girls now knows Jesus Christ as her personal Savior as a result of coming to live at the Via. And it's the most beautiful place you've ever been, not just because it's physically beautiful, but because the minute you walk through the gates, the Holy Spirit is there, and it's so powerful. I'm going to share the story of one of the girls at the Via, Remember, there are 23 of them. But this is the one girl who stole my heart while I was in Nicaragua. Her name is Ana Maria, and I'm just going to warn you, I have cried every time I talk about her, so it's okay. Ana is 13 years old. The first time I met her, first night I was there, she was immediately on me like glue the whole time, rest of the week, holding my hand, hugging me, yelling at me sometimes. Just being a typical 13-year-old, she just was that absolute joy from the minute I met her. But as the week went on, I learned that Anna was not your typical 13-year-old girl because she was abandoned by her mom in the dump. And she was left with people who hurt her and tortured her and sold her. And as the week went on, I learned more and more of her story. 
on Friday night, we had the celebration for the VS anniversary. And Gloria went up and spoke to each of the girls. She is truly their mom. And when she came to Anna, the only thing she said to this little girl was, Anna, I know you miss your mom. And Anna just covered her face with her hands and she cried in front of all those people. And then when it was over, she came back and sat down by me. And she just threw herself in my arms and I just held her, what do you say to a little girl who misses her mom? And her mom chose to leave her. I held her for like 10 minutes. The next morning, Anna wrote me three letters. They're in Spanish, so someone translated them for me. At the top of each letter, it says in English, God is love forever. Her first letter, she just starts by talking about how much fun she had with me that week and how much fun it had been to go to the beach with us earlier in the week and play with us. But as the letters go on, she starts telling me about her life before she came to the Via and how she used to be hurt by the people that were supposed to love her. And then she tells me in the last letter that when I held her the night before, it was like I was her mom and that she'll always love me. That little girl is my daughter. And she's your daughter, too. Bridgeway family, I'm here to tell you, please pray for these 23 girls. The VIA has room right now for 25 more girls, and they just won't need sponsors. I now sponsor one of them. But God's heart for his children is not that they grow up in a landfill and that they're abused and sold and tortured. His heart for them is that they grow up in a place of love and beauty that he wants to provide for them. Please pray for our daughters in Nicaragua. Please pray for our family there. They are our family. They are our brothers and sisters. And God's heart is, is for them it's just as much as it's for us. If you ever feel as if God's calling you to a place that's not Rockland, California, He's just calling you home to your family. Thank you. Christopher, and I went on the trip to Mexicali, Mexico. Hi, my name is Luis Arellano, and I had the privilege of leading the team to Mexicali, Mexico this last spring break. I really love the team. We were, like, made up from my little brother, who's four, who was four years old at the time, to college that age. It was really fun. It was, like, jumbled up and lots of different people. It was fun. The people in Mexico notice our unity, our love for one another, and also the love for the people. We had two separate groups. One rebuilt a roof that caved in when an earthquake happened, and the other did a VBS and helped with the children. The thing that impacted me the most is that this year, because of the economy, we asked the pastor how we could help, uh, how we could tangibly help. Uh, we were doing some construction and we were doing VBS, but instead of coming and, tell, and, and doing something for them, we partnered with them. This time they said, you know, we, we would like for you guys to help us get meals for the, for the church. Uh, one of the things we did is we had meals the first day we were there, the last day we were there, and we, uh, the support that people that we raised helped pay for those meals. We fed over 100 people in the community, and uh, it wasn't just about the meal. It was about the unity of the body of Christ, having believers reaching out to their neighbors and to non-believers and saying, come, just have a meal. We know you're hungry, so come and be fed. And the impact that that had on me to see how encouraged the pastor was when we left. It wasn't just about we're there for a week and we leave. It's we have now partner in, in, in the gospel down in Mexicali that we can go back to and, and share with them and encourage them. So it was a lot of fun. And the team, it was really fun taking families. It was the first time for me as a dad taking my family 
and seeing my children serve God and, and realizing that the same Holy Spirit that lies in me is in my kids and how powerful it was to see them being used by Christ. It was the best vacation any family can take. I highly recommend it. There was a little boy and they asked if if they wanted to anybody who wanted to accept Christ could come up and they could do it right now. And I took a little boy up there with me and he did it. It felt good. I felt like I had done something good for God. I felt really cool. There is one person that I especially um, love and, and look up to. His, his name is Manuel, Don Manuel. He's uh, the grandfather kind of the community. He helped build the church and uh, the man is, I think, 78 years old. He worked uh, in the fields, doesn't have knees. And yet when we're doing construction on top of a roof, he's out there with us telling us, take a break, let me help you, let me help you. And since we wouldn't let him work with us, he made sure that his wife cooked a meal for the construction team every day and bring us in his house and make us rest and take a break. And we kept telling him, no, we're here to serve. He's like, no, 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 you're working hard. Let me take care of you. And uh, it's just amazing that the impact that that man had, his love for his family and for the Lord. And he's always out serving us. We, we want to serve him and he just does out of his need, he gives more. And that's always touching. So it was uh, great to go back and see him again. So I'd recommend this trip because it's awesome. We got to it, do stuff for God and it was really cool and fun. Had a good time. Tiffany, and um, we've had the privilege of going to Haiti since um, April of last year. We went on a one-week trip with an organization called Adventures and Missions, and during that week, we ministered to a tent community, and when I say tents, I mean um, ripping sticks out of a tree, propping them up, and throwing some tarps over them. But through that experience, we got to see what Haitian culture was like and what the people are all about. And um, I think if you've ever been on a mission trip, you can share the experience that the people tend to minister to you a lot more than you do to them. But, um, you know, the Bible says that God is near to the poor and the brokenhearted and um, the lame and the hungry. And uh, we really saw that in Haiti with these people because they just have a joy That could have come only from God. Um, So our lives were so impacted through this experience that uh, through a lot of prayer and talking and thinking, God led me to quit my job and move back there for about 10 weeks. And I launched a microfinance program where um, I basically give some small small loans to people in um, various churches where we've partnered with their pastors. And they're able to make business and just kind of provide for their families and get by day to day. Um, And and since that time last summer, I've been back eight times. Tiffany's come with me five times. And um, two of those times we were privileged to bring uh, teams from Bridgeway. I get to give a little bit of the history of Haiti. Um, It's in the Caribbean Sea. It's right between Jamaica and Cuba. And Haiti was born out of a slave revolution. It was a French colony, and the African slaves there revolted against the slave owners and won their freedom Um, back in the late 1700s. They were the very first African nation to have their independence in the world. Um, But that came at a high cost. Um, They had civil unrest and problems throughout the last 200 years. And uh, Haiti is the poorest country in this side of the world. And, And it shows when you get there. It's really sad to see the conditions they live in. Um, all of that was kind of typified by the earthquake that happened on January 12th of last year. Um, it was one of the worst natural disasters in history, and in one day, 300 people or 300,000 people lost their lives, and it left over a million people homeless. And so the people are living in tent communities, like Matt talked about. They are still living there. They've relocated about half of them back to um, more permanent housing. But it's just a place that needs a lot of help, and we saw that the first time we went there. Um, It also is a place of joy, which is amazing when you look at the rubble and you look at the hunger and you look at the people who have nothing. Um, And so every time I come home from Haiti, I'm anxious to go back. Um, And everybody on the teams that we've taken feels the same way. And so I just... I've wondered what is the draw to Haiti, um, 
And I was reading in my devotional yesterday in James, and in James 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 5, it says, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? And I just truly imagine that's Haiti. God has given them so much joy and so much peace in times of hardship. And so it's infectious. When you go, you just see it in their faces and they invite you into their homes. They want to share their stories with you. They want to share their lives with you. And Haitian worship is incredible. Um, One of my favorite parts of our last trip was um, when Jake led a worship night. And so we sang songs of worship in English to them, and then they sang songs in worship in Creole back to us. Um, But Jake broke into Amazing Grace like he did tonight, and they all sang with us in Creole. Um, And so it was awesome to hear that blend of of God's people singing um, to his glory. Um, In May, we took a team of 23 people from Bridgeway. Um, We took Jake and Russ with us and a bunch of other awesome individuals from this church, and we had a blast. Um, We did a lot of different things. We did a medical clinic, which you can see in some of the pictures. Um, In six hours, we treated 90 patients. It was awesome. We got to give them um, handouts of hygiene stuff and medications and exercises for injuries, and it was a really good day. Um, We also reached out to the community and did some prayer walking through a tent city, and many people were led to Christ through just praying with them and giving our testimonies. Um, We also were able to build a home for a family who had been in a tent community, and they needed to move off of that land Um, in a short amount of time. We were able to build them a house in the the week we were there. Um. So since we started going to Haiti last, uh, well, April, and the first time, we, we went in July uh, to an orphanage. It's called Son of God Orphanage. Um, and since then, it's been one of our primary ministries. But when I say Son of God, um, the actual reality of the orphanage couldn't be further from the truth of the title. Um, there's about 85 kids there. Um, by the way, if you ever wonder what the Bible means when it says to care for the least of these, try going to an orphanage in one of these countries. Um, once you walk into the orphanage, you're immediately swarmed by three to five to anywhere up to 25 kids who just want to latch on to you and love you and just soak up as much love as they can get from you. Um, they're beaming with smiles despite their conditions. Um, they just get so excited when you come because you, they know that you represent love. Um, so we've taken teams to this orphanage and we've done Bible stories and skits and um, VBS and all that stuff. But there was one day that was really kind of special to me and it was very unique. One of our, the members of our team had the idea to bring them dinner and a movie, which um, is a little bit out of the ordinary because normally you think, okay, so how can we provide for them for the longest period of time? And that would be buying, you know, bulk amounts of rice and beans and whatnot. But we decided it would be special to spend a little bit more money that day on one special meal. And um, so I knew of a restaurant in town where I could get some boxed meals. And uh, so I went down there with the truck and loaded up 135 um, styrofoam boxes of fried chicken and rice and beans. And by the way, these kids have maybe eaten meat 10 times in their life at the most. Um, So it was a special day. And we brought it down to the orphanage, and we ate it with them, and it was great. And then um, we were able to coordinate a generator to the orphanage, and Russ brought a projector from Bridgeway, and I had my laptop, and we showed them the Jesus film in Haitian Creole so they could understand. And it was really cool because the kids know the characters. They're not, you know, the Bible's not unfamiliar to them. Um, So... Amongst all of these kids, there's a couple that have really stolen our heart. Um, One is a three-year-old named James. And the first time I came to the orphanage back in uh, July, I walk in and James comes over to me and he goes like this. And uh, he just wanted me to pick him up and love him. And every time I've gone since then, he just comes and does that. And and if I put him down, it's bad news. Um So he's been my buddy, and then um, Tiffany has bonded with a a seven-year-old girl named Lori, and uh, at one point, I think it was back in March, Tiffany was asking Lori, you know, do you like living at the orphanage? Because most of the kids, they tell us, yeah, we like living there, because they've either been told by the directors that that's what they're supposed to say, or they don't know any better, 
Um, but Tiffany said, do you like living at the orphanage? And she said, no, I don't like living there. And she said, she had several reasons for not wanting to live there. But Tiffany said, so where do you want to live? And she said, well, I just want a family that loves me. And um, so I mentioned that this orphanage is, does not reflect its title in Son of God. And, uh, you know, the kids here, they go hungry. They're not well cared for by the directors. Um, they're beaten. There are reports of um, sexual abuse. And currently the director of the orphanage has been arrested and is in prison on charges of child trafficking. Um, <laughs> thank you. Um, that is a good thing. Unfortunately, the orphanage is not closed. Um, it remains open under the leadership of his family, who continue to not care well for the kids. Um, and so we are in an ongoing fight to find a new future for the kids. Um, in addition, we would like to bring James and Lori home to our family through adoption, um, but it's going to be a long road ahead and a long fight, and so we could really appreciate your prayers. <clears throat> We just feel God's hand is over Haiti. There's been a huge Christian revival since the earthquake. Um, Haiti's one of the voodoo capitals of the world. Um, and so even when we're sleeping at night, we can hear the voodoo drums up in the hills. Um, but since the earthquake, they really feel like God has shaken up their island and is calling them to freedom, which is really cool. I didn't cry the last two times. Darn it. <laughs> anyway, so we just are so excited to partner with several churches in Haiti. Um, we're going to take three teams next year. Um, we have a team that's full in January, but we are taking teams in April and October as well. So if you feel God is just tugging on your heart to go on a missions trip, we just hope that you'll pray about considering Haiti. Um, we are doing a lot of different things there. If you have medical experience, we could use you. We'll be doing more construction projects. Um, we're really excited to partner with a pastor who's running a trade school to teach people um, life skills to allow them to make an income. So they teach sewing, they teach cooking, flower arrangements, um, culture, they teach people English. And we're going to be coming alongside them and helping them with that. And then hopefully as the students graduate from that program, they'll be able to get microloans um, and really support their families. And so um, we're just so excited to see God continue to ripple through Haiti and, and bring more people home to his family. I'm Caleb and I went to Indonesia. Well, we met up with uh, full-time missionaries there, Ron and Kim Linegar, who the church supports. We ended up being able to get connected with a couple of the uh, schools in town there and was able to share testimonies and uh, encourage them to, um, well, for one, learn more English. Uh, that's what uh, a lot of the schools wanted us to do. But we were also able to teach uh, some Bible stuff and, and things. So Ron and Kim have a farm out there. They uh, have a bunch of cows that uh, the church helps uh, pay for some of them. And, uh, and one of the guys on our team, Kerry, he has a lot of uh, experience with cows. So he was able to help out and kind of work out on the farm and stuff. Just getting me to Indonesia was, was a way that, that God moved. I, this was my second time there. I spent uh, a couple months there a few years ago, and uh, God maneuvered things around to get me there, and that was amazing. And to be um, in the country was just <sighs> wonderful. But one of the greatest ways that I think, um, something that was just awesome that he did, um, my uh, testimony involves a, uh, a divorce and, uh, and a lot of pain, a lot of hurt that, that comes. But at the same time, my testimony involves a lot of healing and a lot of love and the way that, that, that God can, can use hard times for His glory. And, um, and one of the full-time missionaries there that was just there for, for a month, he's, uh, he's American too. Um, he had just gone through uh, a divorce as well, and I was able to uh, share with him my experience with it, um, the healing that God can bring, the um, and just encourage him to uh, to really press into God as He is. Um, I mean, 
you kind of have to when you're a full-time missionary. But I was able to uh, use my experience to encourage somebody else and just to be able to encourage that one person. Uh, that, <laughs> that made going through my experience worth it. It was um, amazing to be able to use something that's like that to, to help somebody. Right when I got back, right when I set my foot on uh, U.S. soil, I did not want to be here. I wanted to be back in Indonesia so bad. I loved that culture so much. I loved the people there. I, I loved the food there. The um, um, just the way that they interact with each other and that's totally different from from American culture um, they are so close and so uh, kind of tied together they have this concept called uh, horas and um, horas is a Batak word um, it's that's a, a tribe in Indonesia Batak uh, it's a Batak word that basically means Shalom or Aloha and um, and whenever you drive somewhere, you, like you can just go horas to somebody, and they just smile back and say horas. Like anybody, you just say hello to somebody, and they say hello back. It's very close. I mean, there's this one time we're driving by, and I'm I had a bigger beard than this, and um, and this old guy just sitting there and kind of scowling at me, and I'm like that's a weird guy. And um, and I look over at him, I'm, I'm like horas. He goes horas, and he just changed. Um, and that's something that I wanted to kind of bring back. You know, waving to your neighbors uh, uh, again. Um, like, I mean, I, I did that when I grew up. I don't do that now. I'm trying to do it now, though. Um, to, to, to try to get away from our individualistic society and be more um, communal. Uh, and, and not just with the church, but also with uh, my neighborhood around me. morning I uh, get to introduce to you, those of you who don't know, this is Ben and Courtney Smith. And uh, Ben and Courtney have been very, very involved in Uganda from the very early days, uh, very early days back when we first started the partnership with Pastor Steve uh, four years ago. And uh, this morning I'd, I'd love for you guys to share with us maybe just a little bit about, uh, you know, four years ago, how did you guys first kind of get involved with Uganda? How did that all play out in your hearts and minds? Well, when I met Courtney, she was already super excited about Uganda, and I was like, yeah, I guess I could look into, you know, this, this place in Africa, because I'd never really even considered going to Africa or really anywhere outside of America. And um, I saw a couple documentaries, and I read a few articles, and I did some research, and I was like, wow, this place is incredibly broken, and I would love to go there and, and do some work and to help out there. And... Um, and after we'd been going to Bridgeway for about a year, uh, Bridgeway announced that they were going to start going to um, to Uganda. And so we went and we talked to the guy who was leading the trip. And uh, we were like, yeah, we want to go. Where do we sign up? And he's like, oh, this is this is just for pastors and leaders. And I was kind of thinking like, man, this church isn't that big. There aren't that many pastors or leaders here. It's going to be kind of a small team. <laughs> and... Um, and so we went around him and we asked Russ. And Russ was like, yeah, dude, it's cool. Just go. Making problems. And how many pastors and elders went on that trip? None. Yeah, that's what I thought. Zero. Um, so that was kind of your first you know, kind of call into Uganda. And you guys have gone four times now. Um, give me an idea. We just took a team of, what, 17 or 18 people this last summer. Uh, I finally got to go after, you know, four years of cheering on the sidelines and being very excited about all the things that are happening at, at Togo International Children's School and uh, at TICC, as we like to call it. And um, so give me an idea, maybe, you know, with this team, maybe the experiences there on the ground, maybe, maybe a story of something phenomenal that happened. Um, there was a lot of awesome things that happened. We did um, we did a lot of door-to-door -door evangelism. We did open-air crusades. Um, we did children's ministry, sports ministry. Uh, there was sewing, construction, um, all this stuff that was going on, um, along with 
every single day you're hanging out with these kids and playing with them and um, getting to know their stories and getting to know them better. And um, so it's hard to limit it to one story. But um, the second night of the crusade, um, we showed up. We were getting ready. We were doing, like, testimonies, uh, preaching. And uh, we'd been there for about two minutes, and the generator broke down. So we had drawn this huge crowd because people had come the first night, and then they had gone home and told all their friends. And so we had just this huge crowd of probably a couple hundred people easily. Um, but without a generator, not a whole lot of people would hear what we had to say. So um, we're trying to get the generator started, and there's pretty much nothing we can do about it. It's just broken. It won't run. And um, so the team just kind of talked, and we're like, we're just going to do this. We're just going to get up there. We're going to give our testimonies. We're going to preach. We're going to try to push the people as close as we can to the stage, and, um, and hopefully they hear us. And so a couple people got up, gave their testimonies. Um, Courtney got up to give her testimony, and instead of giving her testimony, she just started preaching and, um, and yelling at the crowd. And so everyone's starting to get excited. And then, um, and then Jonathan gets up to give a message, and um, he's yelling about how um, the generator may be broken, but, um, but our power doesn't come from a generator. It comes from God. And as soon as he did that, the generator fired up. <laughs> The lights came on, and he picked up the microphone and finished the, the, the sermon. And we were just going nuts. We were like, this is awesome. Just like we planned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, people totally thought it was choreographed. It was not. Um, so that yeah, was, that really was awesome. an amazing night. I love the fact about this team. No one wanted to quit. No one wanted to say, well, the generator's not working. Let's just call it a night. Uh, we were thinking of everything we could do to keep, you know, keep doing what God had called us to do. And I love the team dynamic of just never say quit. I love that. Um, Courtney, we had a pretty awesome day, the three of us, on the last day we were in Uganda. We got up early. We had a huge trip in front of us, um, you know, 17-plus hours of, of flying to get home. Uh, and yet we got up early, and uh, we went and had a meeting with some special folks. Um, tell me about that last day. Yeah, uh, giving a little bit of history, in 2008, when we went the first time, we met this little boy named William, and we were really drawn to him, um, to be honest, because he looked so much worse than a lot of the other kids, and so we looked into his story, and it turned out he was abandoned at a year and a half um, in a banana field to die. And his grandmother was notified of this, and she was basically going to hold him um, until he had passed away so he wouldn't die alone. And instead, he lived. And so in 2008, we decided to sponsor him, and we've sponsored him over the last couple years. And, and going into this trip, we had a growing concern of what would happen if something happened to his grandmother. And when we got there, um, the grandmother, she was in bad shape. She's blind. She can't walk. And, and she was looking into the same thing, and they found his birth father um, and talked to him. And, and his response was, I left William to die at a year and a half, and if you return him to me, he'll be dead in a week. And, and, so, and this is the grandmother in the, uh, in the green dress there. And this is video from that day. Yeah, and so we were just praying and, and trying to come up with an answer. We really felt like God just kept on telling us, I'm only asking you to say yes. And so this is actually the meeting we went with uh, Pastor Russ and Pastor Steve in the morning um, to go meet with William's grandmother, uh, the LC, who's also the uncle and the aunt, asked for consent to adopt. Um, and you'll be able to see on here, she, Pastor Steve's having to translate everything, and Ben and I had no idea um, what she was going to say. We were scared. We... Um, weren't expecting it all, and so at this point, uh, Pastor Steve asked, and she gave us full consent to adopt uh, William. And so, yeah. and so the process is moving um, quite quickly. Um, we're just we're filled with humility. Um, we can't believe that that God would choose us. Um, that was her response <laughs> when she was asked if it would be okay if Ben and Courtney would adopt William. 
and she just lit up like Christmas. It was awesome. Yeah, and um, we're just we're filled with humility. We can't believe that God would find us worthy enough to be able to take William home and, and join our family, and and also just be able to partner with uh, the missions work that we're doing and be able to go on on trips with us and and partner with Bridgeway Missions to go and serve His people and and knowing where he comes from and, and knowing his story um, and to not only be our son but to be our partner in, in this life. We're just we're thrilled. This process is moving uh, amazingly quick uh, through uh, the uh, authorities in uh, Uganda and uh, several of us in, uh, in this church know uh, what Ben and Courtney are doing. And there's been such a response to want to help them with some of the legal fees and some of the uh, needs as far as flying William. That's William there. Uh, flying William home when that is uh, all approved, and uh, we have opened a uh, way for you to help them with that on our website, uh, bridgewaychristian.org, and uh, also on the city, you can see uh, a link there to uh, help them with some of those uh, some of those costs. But this is a very exciting thing that we want to do as a community and help support them in that. Uh, we definitely want to uh, encourage you to consider Uganda. It is a fabulous uh, country with incredible people. And um, we will be going again here in uh, December 27th. We'll be leaving. And I say we. I'm not going this time. But um, I so he want to. He's not going. I already yeah, yeah. <laughs> she buys tickets in my name, and I can't get out of it. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, if you're interested in going, maybe God's calling you this morning, and you just feel strongly that you're supposed to go, um, you have to decide technically today. But we want to throw that out there. There's a meeting at 1 o'clock. And would have to love you join us uh, join us in that. Thanks. Thank you. My name is Tyler Housewright, and I went on the Romania mission trip. This year, uh, we did the same as we did last year. Um, we went and worked with Heart to Heart, the organization over there, and we worked with the orphans in Romania. We put on a vacation Bible school for the kids, a three-day camp. We worked with anywhere from 9 to 15 kids a camp. Um, this year, we split it up into a boys' camp and a girls' camp. Um, this year, we wanted to focus on purity. Uh, I went the previous year last year and worked with Heart to Heart, and um, I got to meet a lot of the boys there, a lot of the older boys. Um, grew pretty close to them, um, had some really strong relationships with those boys. To come back a second year and show that I cared about them, and, and to see physically, not just hearing it, but physically see, um, we were at a campfire uh, just having our talk about purity and what God wants for our life, and the boys uh, really seemed to be interested in what I had to say this year and what um, the full-time staff over there had to say, which was rare to these boys. They're older anywhere from 18 to 20, um, where they kind of don't, don't want to listen anymore. Uh, the boys, uh, we started sharing our testimonies, and the one of the boys, Twatter, shared his testimony, and it had everyone at the camp in tears. Um, just talking about how he just didn't feel loved and how his parents didn't want him and how he lost this family member and got into this trouble and this and that. And it's similar to a lot of the boys there. And uh, it really touched um, my heart personally and the other boys' hearts as well, um, which opened the doors for us to be able to um, share Christ even more with them. Uh, five out of the nine boys at that camp actually accepted Christ, and it was really cool to be able to pray with them. Um, and help them through that journey um, to become a brother with me in Christ. Um, it was just really awesome to be able to see that and to know that um, the guys you love are taking those steps to live for Christ and wanting to have Him as a part of their life. Both, uh, both years that I've came back um, from this mission trip uh, has definitely impacted me. I appreciate everything so much more to go into a country and see um, how much they don't have compared to how much we do have, um, we take for granted. And I definitely appreciate a lot, thing, a lot of things that much more. And now when I get back, I definitely pray for the boys that much more often. Um, it's, a little more, it's a little easier to communicate with them now, um, finding ways to be able to communicate with them, uh, praying for them each and every day. The first year when I got back, um, I prayed for them, but not half as, oft, uh, half as often as I do now. Um, because it was just a one-time thing. And to be able to continue to go back and grow those relationships with those boys um, 
it just means so much more. And I feel like even though they're not here, I feel like they're with me every day. Um, pray for them like I'm going to see them tomorrow. Um, talk to them like any other day. Uh, and just spend as much time as I can talking to them on the phone, Facebook, email, what have you. And, and just continuing to try to live my life to be a better example for them even though I'm not there for them where they can physically see me. Um, but hopefully the them talking through me through email or Skype or what have you, they'll be able to see that change um, with me getting closer to Christ and encouraging them to get closer to Christ. The past few years I've been there and from as long talking with them and growing the relationships with them over there, um, the thing they keep stressing is we do need more guys. It's not just a girl's trip. Um, uh, we had a whole two guys this year and a whole two guys last year. Um, we do need a lot of male figures to step up. I highly encourage you guys um, to just step up, get out of your comfort zone, and go love on those kids. Um, I mean, I'm sure all of you that um, have close relationships with your dad and long for that, and it would be difficult and odd not to have that. These boys don't have any father figures, um, and a lot of them grow up pretty broken and stray away from God because they don't have a male figure so how are they going to love um, God their father if they don't have a father figure to look up to and love I regularly get asked uh, why do we do this uh, the cost is high um, the uh, organization is immense. Uh, the orchestration is a huge, huge task. And it only happens by a great team and our missions network that helps make all of this happen. And uh, we just feel as a church that this is something that we're absolutely called and commanded to go and do. And so uh, this has been growing and developing over uh, a number of years. And um, maybe you've picked up on the fact that these trips are difficult. They're difficult spiritually. They're difficult emotionally. Uh, every person who's been up here has cried this morning practically. Uh, it's just how it is. But if you want to understand uh, the world a bit differently, if you want to understand a perspective of what God's doing and understand God's love in a different way, um, these are ways that that can be done. Uh, that's not why we go, but that is a, um, a result of what, what happens when we do go. Uh, this morning, I want to make something very clear. We're not here um, this morning to drum up support for future trips. Uh, there is no one in the lobby to sign you up for anything. We're not even prepared for, for 2012 yet as far as dates and costs and things like that. Uh, this morning really was all about a worship experience uh, and the year of worship. We felt like if we did not tell these stories of what God has done this year, that we would be extremely remiss in giving him glory for what he's done. And that's all that this was about this morning. And so um, we've heard some great stories, and God has done great things. And so we just want to praise him this morning through that. Uh, this morning, we also need to do something that uh, we do regularly. Um, we need to pray for uh, a guy who has uh, got a tremendous heart for uh, missions. Uh, Rod Lidholm, would you come on up, man? Uh, Rod, you may be, remember we prayed for, for Rod as he headed off to, uh, to Kenya a few months ago. And then uh, Rod's not done yet, and God's not done with Rod. Rod's heading off to uh, Russia here in a few weeks. And uh, we definitely want to pray for him. As we, as we know, a missionary is one who is sent. And uh, we want to send uh, Rod out with uh, the blessing and covering uh, of our church. And so would you join me this morning uh, as, we, uh, as we pray for him? Uh, Father God, Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing, and I thank you for uh, using Rod in such tremendous ways. Lord, you've given, us a, given him a heart for many people around the world, and Lord, you've built him to be uh, just this highly relational guy. And um, Lord, he's going to an area of the world, Lord, that needs um, deeper relationships. They need uh, leadership training. They need discipleship training. And um, Lord, they need to know your gospel. They need to know your good news for them. And so, Lord, I ask now that you would fill Rod up with, uh, with your strength, Lord, that you would fill him up with uh, your grace and your mercy, and, Lord, that he might uh, just be a guy who's filled so much with your compassion, Lord, that he would be a tremendous um, instrument in your hands as he heads off to, uh, to Russia. Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would protect him as he goes, protect him as he returns, and, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that he would return with uh, amazing testimony of what uh, you're doing in Russia, and, Lord, that you might use him and the team he's joining from E3 Partners, and, Lord, that there just might be tremendous uh, report of, uh, of the expansion of your word and your gospel uh, in that place. Lord, we praise you, and we just love you in your name. Amen.
Lastly, uh, a couple of announcement type things as we as we close this morning. First off, just want to mention uh, today is your last day to go over to the World Vision Experience. Uh, if you have not done that yet, you really need to. It is a phenomenal experience. If you want to understand Africa a little deeper, maybe you're considering maybe going to Uganda or Malawi in the coming uh, with the coming trips. Um, we uh, really want to encourage you to go over there and experience that. It really is a, a phenomenal time. It only takes about 25 minutes to go through the experience. You can go over there after church this morning. Also want to mention uh, we are actually tearing that experience down. Today is the last day, and so uh, we could use some extra hands, many hands, light work. If you're interested in how that whole thing comes together and you want to watch it come apart and throw it in the truck, uh, it would be a great time. So uh, this afternoon, actually this evening, 730 over at William Jessup, um, come on. On over and uh, we're going to fill an entire 18-wheeler full of stuff and uh, get it on the road to Florida where it heads next. Uh, also, this morning, just uh, one last thing. Uh, we realize that when you engage, if you're new to Bridgeway, this is probably a bit different environment maybe than you've experienced before in relation to, uh, to church. We realize that that creates lots of questions. And uh, so we're starting a new thing next weekend uh, after the uh, second service on Saturday night and then after the second service on Sunday, uh, we're doing this thing called Ask Lance Live. And uh, Lance will be here and you can ask him anything you want to ask him. And we mean anything. And so you get an entire week to prep and prepare. And uh, we just ask that you come back, enjoy the time. You can ask him anything as far as philosophy of ministry. Uh, you want to know what his favorite food is. You want to know whatever. Uh, we'd love to be here and answer those questions for you. And so he'll be here after the second service uh, both, both days, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, if you would just join me in, uh, in praying as we close, let's just give God praise for what he's done here this morning. Uh, Father God, Lord, I just thank you for all that you've done. Lord, we praise you for... Um, Lord, all the amazing things that you've done around the world. And Lord, we just want to say thanks for using us. Thanks for using your church and your people. Um, Lord, we thank you for increasing our burden for orphans around the world. And um, Lord, we just trust you for the days ahead. Lord, as we continue to go to these places that we've had amazing partnerships, Lord, would you develop them further and deeper and more significantly for you and your kingdom. Uh, Father God, Lord, we give you praise in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Go in peace.